Tonight, God's Word comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. We're going to be reading just the first four verses of this chapter. First Corinthians 16, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me." Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we've been looking together at the letter of Paul to the church at Corinth, and tonight we really come to the end of that letter. Uh, This is the last topic that Paul is dealing with in the body of the letter. Uh, There's obviously more in uh, 1 Corinthians 16. We will deal with those final matters last time, but this really ends Paul's main uh, address to the Corinthians. And I hope by now, as you hear those words, now concerning the collection, now concerning, you recognize these are matters that they wrote to Paul about. We have seen those words uh, show up a number of times in this letter. Uh, Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as we began that section, uh, Paul says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. And he's going to talk about the relationships of husbands and wives. Chapter 7, verse 25, now concerning the betrothed. And he's going to talk about that. This is a matter that they wrote him about. Chapter 8, verse 1, now concerning food offered to idols. They had some questions about that, and he gives them instruction. Again, in chapter 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed, and it instructs them again. And finally, in 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints, addressing questions they had for the apostle Paul. And Paul's going to talk about this collection for the saints. He's going to encourage this church in the giving that they are intending to do. And as he does so, he's also going to give them some principles about giving in general. And so as we look at this tonight, we see not only Paul's instructions for the Corinthian church, but also instructions for us. How is it that we are to bring our gifts to God? How is it that we are to offer the sacrifice of praise to him in the tithes and the offerings that we bring? Paul begins, now concerning the collection for the saints. The saints he is referring to are the saints in the Jerusalem church. In many ways, Jerusalem was the parent church for a number of the mission churches that were planted. And the Jerusalem church began as a strong, a thriving congregation. We read back in Acts chapter 4 regarding that church. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. 
And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. The Jerusalem church was a strong, thriving, financially secure church. That's how it began. But then came times of persecution. And we read later in the, in the book of Acts, the church was scattered. And in that scattering, often then many of them losing the, the lands and things that they had. We know that later, again from the book of Acts, there was a famine that, that took place. And now, now the Jerusalem church, their parent church, their mother church, was hurting and was in need of help. We read at the end of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they own it, owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in their material needs. This church had material needs. And Paul encouraged the churches of Macedonia and Achaia and Corinth to, to bring an offering for the mother church, for the church at Jerusalem. Take an offering from the church for the church. Now, now some would say, but shouldn't the church be more concerned with helping those outside? Shouldn't they be more concerned with the further spread of the gospel? And there is a principle here that, that unless it came from Scripture, we might question it. Churches being most concerned about other churches. But of course, that's, that's the principle Paul also gives us when he writes to the Galatians. In his letter to Galatia, Galatians chapter 6, he says this, So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul says, especially to those who belong to the church. The church is to care for itself. And if there is need, the church has to fill that need. The broader church has to fill that need. We see that even even in a local congregation. It's one of the blessings of belonging to the church. We have those who care about us, those who are concerned about us, those who will help us when we have difficulties, whether those be financial difficulties or spiritual difficulties, whatever they may be. And so Paul is encouraging them to take this collection for the saints, for the church in Jerusalem. Now, of course, of course both are proper. We can also take offerings for those who are outside the church, but there's nothing wrong based on what Paul teaches us here, of churches helping churches and making that a priority, a priority to give to their mother church because, because their giving is an expression of their love for God in that Romans passage. Because they have shared in the gospel, they should now share in the giving. 
It over, it's an overflowing expression of our love for God as we also give to those who are in the church. Now concerning the collection for the saints. What does Paul instruct them to do? Verse 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And here Paul gives them some principles for how they are to give. They are to give on the first day of every week. We see already here in the New Testament there has been that transition from Old Testament seventh-day worship to New Testament first-day worship, evidenced by Paul's instructions here. On the first day of, of every week, each of you should put something aside. Regular weekly giving should occur. Regular weekly giving. And that principle of giving on a regular basis, giving regularly and weekly, was for them and should be for us also a pattern to follow. Uh, my, uh, one of my older brothers attends a very large uh, evangelical church, and I was talking with him once about the financial stability of that church. It's a very, very large congregation. And he said they have a tradition uh, in that church that on New Year's Eve, on New Year's Eve, almost everyone comes to the church with their offering for the year. They come one time a year on New Year's Eve. My brother said the cars line up to go past this drop-off window, something like a bank, I guess. But they, they line up because they all give their gift, their entire gift, on that one night. It's the, the tradition of this church. And while it's a wonderful thing for the church to receive, I forget the number of hundreds of thousand dollars they receive on that night, it's not really the pattern given to us in Scripture that we give one time and then call it good. Paul says on the first day of every week, each of you is to bring something. Regular, ongoing giving. Each of you is to uh, bring, put something aside, store it up. There is thought involved in this, putting something aside, thoughtful, planned giving. The giving, Paul instructs, is not just an afterthought, it's the first thought. They are to give in a deliberate and thoughtful way. And Paul will talk about, as he has earlier, he's talked about the first fruits principle. We give God the first. We give God the best. We'll trust him for the rest, but it's a regular planned giving that we give God the best of what he has given to us. Our, um, our giving to church should be the first line on our budget. I had the privilege of um, speaking with our DIG group a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago, about finances, our finances and our relationship to the Lord. And we talked about budgeting and how the first line of our budget should be that, that offering that we bring to God, to the church. That every week, put something aside, think about it, prepare for it, and bring that regularly. Because 
because that's how God blesses us. God blesses us in an ongoing, regular way. God does not bless us one time a year and say, you're on your own for the rest. Day after day, God blesses us. Week after week, God blesses us. Month after month, God blesses us. Year after year, He continually blesses us on a regular, ongoing way. And our giving reflects that pattern of His giving to us. That's what we pray. Children, we don't pray, give us this year our yearly bread, do we? We don't pray that. We talked about that in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day! Our daily bread, regular, ongoing provision. That's how God provides for us, and that's the pattern Paul sets for us to give to him. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. And then our text says, as he may prosper, as he may prosper. And as I read through a number of uh, commentaries this past week on this text, uh, that phrase has been understood in a variety of ways, uh, sometimes in the most unbelievable ways. Most everyone will, will in some way agree what Paul is teaching here is proportional giving. We are to give as we have prospered, proportional giving. But one of the commentaries, almost unbelievable, says, while the, teach, while the text here teaches the principle of proportional giving, this in no way requires us to give proportionally. How did that work? Paul is teaching a principle. Give as you have been blessed. That's a biblical principle found not only here, but throughout the scriptures. Give as you have been blessed. Okay, we're going to do proportional giving, what proportion should we use? I was talking with someone once, um, we were talking about giving, and he was a firm believer in proportional giving. Oh, he said, he said that's biblical. We should be, proportional giving is biblical. We should be doing that. He's almost scolding me. I said, well, you're right. I agree with you. Proportional giving, it's biblical. I said, so if you don't mind my asking, what proportion do you use? He said, without batting an eye, 3%. I said, that's interesting. 3%. Where did you come up with that? Oh, it just seemed right. So we talked a bit more about proportional giving. Has God given us a principle in Scripture which would instruct us on proportional giving? The answer is, of course, yes. Of course he has. God established already in the Old Testament the practice of tithing, giving back to God 10% of all that he has given to us. That's the proportion which God has set aside for us. It's found throughout the Old Testament. Now, some would say, yeah, but, but tithing is never mentioned in the New Testament. Well, two answers to that uh, challenge. First, it has never been our principle of interpretation that something in the Old Testament has to be repeated in the New Testament to be valid. That's a dispensational type of hermeneutic. We don't use that type of, inst of instruction or uh, in interpretation of Scripture. Yes, it is in the Old Testament, but when someone says there's no New Testament text about tithing, oh, really? 
Well, let's look at some of Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching in Matthew 23. Can't get more New Testament than that. Jesus himself. Jesus is calling the scribes and the Pharisees to task. And he says in Matthew 23, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now look what he says. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Yes, you should be concerned with justice and mercy and faithfulness, but you also should be concerned with your tithing. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Jesus is not here replacing tithing with the weightier matters. He is saying both are important. Tithing is not only an Old Testament principle, it is a New Testament principle taught to us by Christ himself. Paul talks here about proportional giving, lay aside, uh, as you have prospered. And some will say, but but isn't there a text somewhere that says something about uh, God loves a cheerful giver? Isn't that what's really important? God loves a cheerful giver. doesn't care how much we give. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, there's a text somewhere that talks about that. Another text from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where he says this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, doesn't that say right there that we should simply give as we've decided in our heart? What Paul is dealing with here in 2 Corinthians is how it is that we give. He's not dealing with how much. The matter of how much is settled in the Old Testament in the words of Christ in the New Testament, the tithe. But how do we give that? Not reluctantly. Not feeling like, oh, I have to do this. But to do it cheerfully. God loves the cheerful giver. And certainly, the child of God desires to give not only in the way God requires, but as God requires, as he has blessed us. This text in no way undermines the biblical practice of tithing. It undergirds the practice of tithing. We should follow God's instructions with joy, cheerfully. Because again, this is a response of love to what God has done for us. He has given us the greatest possible expression of his love. In not only providing for us the things of this life, providing for us life itself. And not only here, but life in eternity. A life forever with Him for all who embrace Jesus Christ, for all who know Him and trust Him as their Lord and their Savior. Of course, they would give abundantly. They would give cheerfully, joyfully. For everyone who knows that, that joy of salvation, God calls us once again tonight to put our faith and trust in that Jesus Christ alone and to have that that reality of the assurance of salvation affect the things that we do, the giving that we give to God and to his church. Paul says, 
On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, store it up as he may prosper, so there will be no collecting when I come. And this says finally in verse 3, And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Paul says, I'm going to come. There'll be no collecting when I get there because you've been collecting it every single week, setting it aside as the Lord has blessed you. And when I come, those whom you accredit will take that gift and bring it to Jerusalem. Now Paul here doesn't mention uh, the word deacons, but deacons are certainly those who are being referred to. Those who are accredited by the church to care for the financial needs of God's people. Deacons who will give an accounting of the money they have received and make sure it gets to where it belongs. Notice, Paul doesn't say, give the money to me. He says, I could accompany them, but don't give the money to me. Give the money to those appointed for this task. Today, we have, by God's blessing, deacons in our congregation. Deacons who care for the financial gifts to the church, and to administer the financial needs to the church. Those who are given wisdom and, and, and mercy. Those who have a sense of compassion and insight. Those who can, who can make the balance between what do we give to church causes and causes outside of our church. I know the deacons get numerous requests for finances from all kinds of churches and other organizations, and it's difficult for them. There's, there's limited resources in the church. And so how will they use the tithes and the gifts of God's people in a way that is honorable and pleasing to God? God has provided us with faithful, competent deacons. We as a church need to pray for them need to pray that God continue to give them wisdom and insight as they administer the tithes and offerings that we bring. I don't know if you've been approached by someone asking you for money, uh, looking for help for some particular need, but it's been my experience. When someone comes and, and needs help from the church, and they get some help from the church, a really good lie sounds the same as the truth. They come with this story about how their car broke down and they only need this much money and they're going to their grandmother's funeral and the story, it sounds so, a really good lie, sounds just like the truth. Yet our deacons are called to distinguish between the two. Pray for them. Pray for their wisdom. They are a gift from God to us. The deacons are a gift from God to us because they encourage us in our giving. They bring a variety of causes to us to which we can give. A variety of offerings, different types of things, educational institutions and mission projects and our own local church and other things they bring to us. And they give us a wide variety and say, give, give in proportion to how God has blessed you. And they then administer those funds to the best of their ability and to the glory of God. They are a gift from God to his church. Now concerning the collection. Paul talks about real, everyday, hard and fast financial matters. 
This is a text certainly rooted in theology, but with very practical application. Paul says to them, on the first day of every week, on the Lord's day, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. You are to do that as God has prospered you so that when there's a need, it can be dealt with. Paul gave this instruction to the Corinthian church, and they were ready to receive it. And they began the collection. They started bringing the money in. But then something happened. And when we get to Paul's letter of 2 Corinthians, he has to remind them again. Look, you started well, but now you've got to finish. You began well, but I need to remind you, this is how you're supposed to give. This is what you should do. And I suspect if Corinth needed that reminder, perhaps we need that reminder as well. There's nothing new in the message tonight, nothing many of you have not heard a number of times before. But it's a reminder that because of what God has done for you, because he has taken you from death to life, because he provides you with everything you need in this life, he calls you to respond with gratitude. He calls you to respond with joy and, and to bring to him on the first day of the week your tithes and your offerings as the Lord has blessed you to recognize the principle of proportional giving, knowing that everything belongs to God. And he asks, but such a small amount from us. Yes, for a small amount, return to me 10% of what I've given to you. Do it with heart. Do it with joy. Do it with cheer. That we might show God our thanksgiving for what he has done for us. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, how can we begin to thank you for what you have done. We can never repay you for the gift of salvation. And so we offer to you that which you ask for. We offer to you our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. Help us, Lord God, to make this a pattern in our life, for you bless us day after day. Your blessings come again and again and again. May we see our response to you in that same pattern that regularly we bring to you our gifts. Lord God, we pray for the men in this congregation whom, whom we have set apart to be deacons, those to administer these funds, to bring us uh, causes to give our gifts to, but also to get those gifts to them. Bless these deacons. Give them wisdom. Give them insight. Give them diligence in the task to which you have called them. And Lord God, may this be a blessing to those who receive and a blessing for those who give. Help us, Lord God, to respond to you with joy and thanksgiving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to turn to number 185 in the Trinity Psalter. Number 185, we give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. May we thy bounties thus as stewards true receive, and gladly as thou blessest us.
to thee our first fruits give. We're going to sing all five verses, 185. Let's stand together as we sing. <laughs> 